Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. New microphone setup, same microphone, a little bit tweaking. As I get this refined, we're going to have a lot of updates happening this week coming. And so let's get into our day. I actually had already recorded this episode once, and I was listening it back as I always review just to make sure that it's the right quality I want. And as I followed the fiasco on social media, it occurred to me that I want to do it again. And so this is actually part or version two, pun intended, of the recording that I was initially going to do because I needed to steer in a different direction because there's actually more sketchy stuff happening than what initially was to be the plan. So let's dig into this a little bit further. First off, let me just talk about the news at a really high level. Fortunately, there's not a lot of news to talk about, but up front, we know Bitcoin's kind of the bear in the room. Bitcoin's rise. Ethereum is down ever slightly. We don't have a definitive reason why. There's speculation around some cause as far as just general sell-off and sentiment, but Ethereum overall is in a healthy state. It's certainly back up to a better place than where it was before. But Bitcoin is kind of the bear in the room. Bitcoin's what everybody's talking about. Bitcoin is still on its rise, but it's having a hard time maintaining its level. And I did suspect as I was talking to uh, Mr. Segala the other day that Bitcoin would plateau. We kind of somewhat hit that plateau, but it is still trying to break that level. We do see people are trying to push that price up above the thresholds so they can go on another run. I'm not sure if it's going to be successful just because whatever's going on in the industry right now seems to have people sketchy in the United States. For those that are international, there's been kind of a shift in sentiment around COVID-19. There's less of a desire to continue the mask mandates and they want to lighten up the mask mandates, let people breathe freely and openly, which is a big shift. We previously were just locking stuff down. Every time you walk into a store, you had to wear a mask. Well, of course, that wasn't really enforced. You could walk to a store and they wouldn't really say anything to you. They're supposed to be on the police force actually issuing tickets for this. As far as what was reported in the newspaper locally, they didn't issue a single citation, only warnings. And of course, I do walk to the store every now and then to get snacks. And I've noticed that frequently you get some thug who walks in there and just simply does not have a mask. And they don't say anything to that person. They'll put signs that says, please wear a mask, but they don't do anything about it. It's your store. As a business owner myself, I would find that unacceptable. Nevertheless, because we're seeing lessening in places like California, which California is the poster child for liberalism, and yet they're lightening up the mask restrictions. Oregon spec to lighten, lighten up here in, I believe it's March, same with Montana. And then in Nevada out here, uh, Governor Sislak is supposed to be doing an announcement actually today for lightening up the mask mandates, at least sometime in the future. So the sentiment is that we're kind of past the predominant parts of the pandemic, so we would assume on the crypto side that we should be kind of coming out on the back end and we should in a good spot, but we're not seeing that translate over to cryptocurrency pricing. Instead, some of the cryptos are starting to decline a little bit. And it just seems to be regular sales. There doesn't seem to be any other specific cause, at least not that I can tell from my research. Fortunately for me, there hasn't been other significant news I thought was worth your time anyway. Of course, there's always the business about NFTs. There's the business about, you know, Elon doing whatever and all that, that I don't think are worth your time. You are free to research it. I do encourage that you do. And I want to just preface and say, I apologize. And I apologize because there was a point where I said, and I was pretty clear that I was not going to do any more extensive coverage on Satama 
until I saw significant progress had been made. As I suspected, there would not be significant progress made. And I was waiting and kind of watching and kind of in the distance, hopeful, right? In all disclosure, I do have a bag of Satama. It is a very small bag of Satama. It's mostly based off dusting. If you don't know what dusting is, when you're in an exchange, mostly like Gate.io has it and KuCoin has it, some exchanges will basically let you so-called sweep all of your little dust holds. So let's say you have, you know, a thousand of a token and you do a trade. Well, the price is constantly moving. So since the price is moving, there's always just this little bit left over when you do the trade. The sweep allows you to basically roll that up into their token that they have. So in this case, the KCC token for KuCoin, Gate.io is, I believe, GT. And then you can accumulate it. And then at some point you can cash it or trade it to something else. So I've done that a couple of times for these. And so I took all my dusted, all that I had, and I put it over into Satama and I just dump it over in there. It's like taking spare change and buying gum with it, right? So I've, I've already sold off for profit multiple times on Satama. So I'm already out of it as far as big bags. I don't have any vested interest in its success or failure. It's just a dusted bag. And the most it would ever be is a few thousand dollars. And I'm okay with that because there's no urgency. I'm off in a different direction. But I do still watch it because I know that the vast majority of those coming from Spotify are actually interested in Satama. But I stopped talking about it because I needed to have something significant I felt was worth your time to cover. It wasn't for any other reason. It, it's mistake after mistake after mistake, preventable mistakes. I don't feel that's worth your time, in my opinion. And so I steered a different coverage. Well, a lot happened yesterday and today with the Satama ecosystem. I don't think it's good. Others seem to think it's potentially good, but when you have a dev team as we have here, I can't treat it as good because we're going to run into the same kind of problems. So here's a summary of what I could parse out. In order for me to really give you the story and shape of how this all came about, it's important I give you the background because there's a lot more to this story than is happening here today. First of all, Satama, the current Satama that we know it is actually a V2 contract. Satama was officially introduced to the world May 30th, I believe it was the 30th, of 2021. And the person who created this contract is not the same person as the existing team. That person that created the contract relinquished the control and gave it to the people that are now in charge of it and renounced the ownership of the contract. So then Russ et al. step in ostensibly to see to the token success. Along the next few months, they actively start marketing this dude. And roughly around, I want to say July, is when we started seeing significant price movement. And the velocity got to the point that it was dropping roughly one zero every month. It was strong velocity, strong popularity over time. There was no LLC at that point. It was just a group of people that were managing the token. It was a much calmer, quieter time. And eventually they start announcing the Cytomask. Just to preface, all of the coverage I now talk about from this point forward, we've backloaded all of these snippets to our YouTube, which you can find at CryptoTalkRadio.net, which is our site. When you go there, you're looking for basic cryptonomics. Under basic cryptonomics, we have a section for our YouTube. We are available on all platforms, but YouTube is where you want to go for the purpose of this. When you go to YouTube, you're going to see a list of videos, and then, of course, any video having to do with Satama is likely going to be this historical reference type of snippet of past episodes. If you want the full episode, we've put the posting date for when that 
episode was recorded, and you can go back to the podcast full entries, which you are subscribed to. And if you have it on iTunes, you can go back in history to that episode. I think Spotify also does as well. So you can listen to the episode in its entirety. Regardless, we went back and we uploaded all that because we wanted to persist the timeline. We didn't want to lose sight of the timeline of what got us to this point. So everything I talk about now going forward is around this sequence. It's around this story, starting from their announcement of a Cytomask, their idea that they're going to release a wallet. And it sounds very simple, and the screenshots are pretty clean. We released coverage talking about the fact that Keanu Inu, which was another token around that time, had tried to do something similar called Matrix, and they failed. They also were going to do a Vegas event, just like Satama was talking about, and Keanu Inu never made it to Vegas. It totally crapped and failed and tanked the token. So Satama is gearing up, and they're hyping, and they're doing messaging, and they're saying, we're going to do this thing, we're going to be in Vegas, and this, this wallet's going to come, and everything's going to turn out great, and we got it all good. Very close to the event, we have additional coverage that we did as we were following it because we were still skeptical that they were going to be able to pull it off as we are in Nevada, and we know it's hard to schedule events in Vegas, predominantly because of the pandemic. But even if there wasn't a pandemic, it would still be difficult to do it. So we figured there was going to be some problems. We didn't know how bad, but we played it by ear. November 13th, day of the event. It's a catastrophe. Everybody knows this. Jake engaged drunk. He's on video asking people for money for more drinks, which really pissed a lot of people off. We saw tons of feedback of people who specifically said they were going to sell just because of him. From our perspective, we think that's a petty reason to have sold. Nevertheless, it's everybody's money. You're free to make your own decision for your own reasons. But people are not upset with the production value, which basically was none. And there was, prior to this, tweets flying around. And I don't know who in the Satama team put this out in the first place. But there was messaging that they were planning to have an event very similar to Tim Cook's keynote, formerly Steve Jobs' keynote. I'm sure that everybody's watched at least one of these keynotes. It's a very calm, non-alcohol-driven process. And somebody stands up in front and they present on keynote slides up in the front and they talk about the different products and it's very calm and there's, you know, respectful applause and there's no drinking, there's no partying, there's no loud music, there's none of this crap. It's just a regular introduction of a thing. This is what was presented on at least Twitter as was going to be the format of the show. Was not the format of the show. This pissed a lot of people off. The Lamborghini that they gave away at the show pissed a lot of people off because they were questioning where the money came from to fund that. So between that, plus the fact people traveled for this, they spent money traveling for this and only to have it not go the way they wanted. And the hype died down. The price spiked to an all-time high. And then it tanked immediately after this. It has never smelled close to that all-time high since because there have been ETH, as in Ethereum, ETH dumps on a frequent basis since that event on a pretty consistent basis ongoing since that date. And what we said was, we find it rather disappointing that there's so much whale in Satama that they can literally just dump and dump and dump and dump and dump with, with no recourse to this degree. And we're almost three months after the fact, after this event. And that's concerning. We analyzed some of the more recent dumps because what happened is Satama has not gotten Cytomask done. There has been frequent delays, frequent problems. People still aren't able to transact. There are a few apparently that can and the majority cannot. We see multiple reports that this is not working the way it's supposed to. And so Lily Finance, 
who were supposed to be, and we did coverage on that one as well, they were supposed to be one of the front runners for Cytomask. They were pretty much the poster child for Cytomask exclusivity agreements with these various tokens. Lily Finance puts out a press release saying that they're going to go it alone. They're going to go on Uniswap because they can't wait on Cytomask. A screenshot circles around social media, apparently from Telegram, that is apparently from one of the officers at Lily Finance saying they got children to save and they can't wait anymore. They can't delay it anymore. They've got to move forward. Okay. Satama releases a different press release. Their press release basically says, we're going to keep working on Cytomask, but till we get there, guess what? We're going to release Cyta Realty. And we're going to get into owning homes and building homes and multifamily housing and all these different things with a white paper the whole nine, out of the clear blue, despite the fact that Satama's price is an all-time low, despite the fact that Cytomask is not in a full functional state, despite failed AMAs, despite the fact that Lily jumped ship. So in the middle of the storm, they're going to release a new token, and it's in a completely different market. I was chatting with someone on social media to try to understand this, and his speculation was it looks like a rate, which is real estate related. I don't think it's a rate because rate has very specific tax implications to it. It also has very specific requirements for the investors. You basically have to guarantee a 90% return. I don't think of a single crypto can guarantee, I'm talking guarantee, a 90% return. That would be very risky business. I don't think even Russ is that stupid. However, it could be an E-rate. And for those that don't know what an E-rate is, I would steer you to a site called fundrise.com, F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E.com. They're not cryptocurrency related. However, that's what they do is E-rates. In summary, what you do is you would invest a pool of money. The money then gets distributed to different projects. So you're basically funding different build projects and they're worldwide. You get a photo of what they're building. Sometimes you get drone footage. They'll send you like prospectuses about what they're doing. They'll even offer you new investments. If you say, hey, we're doing this now. Are you interested in investing? It's a pretty good service. Do check it out. But it sounds like this site of realty, assuming it's legitimate, is trying to do something very similar, which is to allow crypto investors to invest in what is essentially an E-rate. You wouldn't really own the property, but you do have an ownership interest. I have multiple concerns with this. Others seem to be excited. I have multiple concerns. The number one concern is sprawl. You have not solved the problems of Satama. You have not solved the problems of Cytomask. You haven't resolved the investor sentiment issues. And there's money flowing and this money is not explained, which brings me to my last point. Russ put out a statement on Twitter that basically says, we're not affiliated and we didn't have anything to do with the coin deployment for Lily Finance. Now, anybody who's in Satama who's not affected by the cult understands that his statement cannot be factually true because we do know that a wallet attributable to him created the initial Lily contract. This is documented. It's in blockchain. Blockchain is public information. You can see it for yourself. Additional research was done, and it appears that there's a brand new contract in place for Lily, different than the one that was originally there, and the tokenomics were changed, completely changed. Now there's a 15% wallet based on the tax that's set aside just for marketing and development for Lily Finance that wasn't there before. So people are starting to notice that the whole structure and strategy has changed, that now it's a totally different contract, totally different project, and apparently it's totally different independent. That's good, but... Russ's statement at the time was not factually accurate because they did spin up the Lily Finance 
contract. They invested money in the Lilly Finance contract. How it's changed now is a different story. Point is, initially, they were involved with Lilly. I believe Russ is still on the board. I'm pretty sure the Satama-Lilly Finance LLC is still formed and his name is on that. So, yes, the developers of Satama are still involved. And as far as we can tell on the Lilly website, it's pretty much all the Satama devs. So something doesn't add up there. So that's sketchy. It's a little bit suspicious. However, the price started dumping after all this happened. It dumped a lot. There was a lot of ETH dumps, whale dumps. I sent out a screenshot with all the different dumps in a list so that people could see. There's a lot of dumping going on, and the concern is raised again that there's an awful lot of whales in this thing, and they just seem to never end. Did some analysis on one of the wallets. Turns out that one of these wallets was involved with Suzuki, which was a rug pull contract. And one of these wallets has over $3 million worth of Satama still left after their 150 ETH dump, which is six figures. I think it's just shy of $700,000. So what we have to wrap our head around is they dumped that much money. And we believe that they've dumped before multiple times because we can see it on the history on DexTools.io. But they still have $3 million worth to go. And then we create these artificial pumps by announcing things like Cider Realty. And then they keep taking profit out of it, which keeps depressing the price anyway. And eventually it's going to cash out. But it begs the question, why are there so many whales still left in this thing? Because we would assume at some point they've got to all be out unless they bought back in off the dips. This wallet doesn't seem to be buying back in. It seems to be selling out completely. Just it's doing it over time. So now... We've got a little bit of an issue here. We've got the situation with Lily. Side mask isn't done. So Thomas Price is hurting. It's at 213 as I say this. And no matter what, we can't get straight answers out of this Thomas team. And then Lily's going its own way, which I think is good for them. Of course, being on Ethereum means gas fees, and that's not ideal. But being on Ethereum means they get the greatest population possible. And if the Satama team members are still involved with Lily, they have a risk of tanking it just like they've done Satama, which is unfortunate because I thought Lily is a good project. As described, I thought it had a good strategy and a good plan. And I think the person behind it has had a rough past, to be honest, but then so has Russ. And I think some of the walls are starting to fall down, but the cult is still strong with Satama. It's a cult. We've called it a cult before. It's clearly a cult. You can go by the supporters who will literally just accept anything that Russ says regardless of the fact that nothing's been delivered so far. There's still nothing delivered. There's nothing tangible. There's nothing succeeding. And so at some point, you kind of have to say, again, if this were a real business, Russ would have been out. Russ would have been gone. And if Russ could say, no, these three people in our organization screwed up and they're fired, that might help. But nobody would leave the, the boss in front of the project for this long with this many failures. It's It's unthinkable. So it's I'm a little bit disappointed in the announcements for anybody who's still in Satama as a big investor, because we're not. I'm disappointed for you because it's not fair, because all of these failures are preventable failures. They're preventable. Think about the path we got to get here. Cytomass still isn't done. It's like 10 versions, I believe. 10.2 is the current version, I believe, as I last saw. 10 versions in. And it took us two months to get 10 versions in and it's still not done, which means it wasn't done when they decided to release it in January, which means 
it wasn't even close to done when it was announced at November 13th's failed event, which means CERDIC could not have audited a complete project. It's, it's not possible. It, it's impossible. So you've been misled along the way. And there's no reason why. There's no reason why to mislead people in this way. But that's what it is. So if you're in and you stay in and you believe, kudos to you, I'm sorry, but the price is being tanked because of these ETH cells. And that's coming from, it's got to be a lack of investor confidence. Will it recover? I suspect someday. But we don't know exactly when because we keep making these preventable mistakes along the way with the Satama project. So that's Satama, and that's all I got to say about it. And hopefully there's nothing else absolutely catastrophic as what happened here, so I can stop talking about this project until hopefully they get rid of Russ and maybe Max. But they need to get rid of the people that are failing because it's, again, it's like an abused child. Like the project is feels like it's being abused by people that don't know what the heck they're doing, and that's really unfortunate. Let me give you some internal updates. So for... What we have on calendar, we do have a couple of guests that are scheduled to come on the show. We're going to be doing our recording hopefully this weekend. And we got like three people that we're talking to. Overall, one of them is on Gentlemen's World, which is our sister podcast at CryptoTalkRadio.net. Please do check that out. If you are interested in more casual conversations, non-related to crypto, just to kind of get away from this exhausting exercise, I do highly recommend it. However, it is undergoing some evolution. As I start to introduce guests to that show, it'll have more guests than basic cryptonomics. So if you are the kind that likes guest-based shows, I can guarantee you it is going to be much more to your advantage on the gentleman's world side. So now, what I'll tell you on basic cryptonomics with our guests. One of the guests is somebody I've been acquainted with for a while. We were actually together in a project. And while the project rug pulled, it was not a malicious deal. It was just, it happened and Things went south, and hopefully we can discuss the situation together. Um, however, there are certain things that we will talk about and certain things that we will not be at liberty to discuss. So we will guide that conversation as we do, but just to let you know that that's a conversation with somebody I'm acquainted with, which has not happened thus far. This is somebody I'm already acquainted with, and I'm looking forward to speaking with him for sure. He has a platform as well. Uh, he does a lot of, he's, he's a good bounce off because he's more, fundamental. He will pull up the chart, he will talk to the chart, and he will analyze from the fundamentals of what the price movement is and should be doing. And he does a great job of breaking it down in simple terms as to why things should happen, assuming that the people behind it follow what they're supposed to do. Whereas I'm kind of more on the sentiment side, I adjust based on what I see of the voices out there, some of which is social media and some of which is not, but also just as announcements come from the developer team, if I see that they're not practicing what they preach, you've heard me say it before, Barry White. That's kind of my number one. Are the devs doing what they said they would do? Is the project behaving like they said it was going to behave? And did they reach the goals that they told me they were going to reach? It's kind of my standard. I'm less, more of the fundam- I'm less on the fundamentals except for my own projects and more on the sentiment side and more on the trust of the devs. That doesn't mean that we can't look at the opposites. So there are times I'll look at the fundamentals, but for me, I think the fundamentals tend to be misleading at times for me in cryptocurrency because the devs screw up and it throws off what should otherwise be a given. You've heard me talk about Perinu, which I do want to talk to him about for reasons he mentioned on a video that kind of occurred to me. 
Parainu is a perfect example where it's a beautiful project, beautiful code. I love everything about the code. I love everything about the project, but the devs just don't seem to be able to make it succeed. And it's one of those that's like what Satama should be in their mission and in their values and everything else and the code. But again, like with, and they're not as egregious as Satama, but they're similar in the sense that they don't respond to inquiries to have, to have the conversation. They're reaching out to shillers. They're not able to market correctly. And they've been kind of quiet, ironically, when they're sitting on gold, from my opinion. And that's kind of frustrating. So I'd love to talk about Perry Inu in particular with him, but that's kind of an example where with Perry Inu, the fundamentals are sound, I think. It's just that they're not able to make it work. Which brings me to my next guest that I'm planning to have on the show. Hopefully they will come on the show. They are booked on the calendar. But this is this will be a token. Uh, they reached out to me and requested that they have a forum. Basically, they want to have a forum, have more exposure, introduce themselves and what they're about. It's a token that's been around a while. It's not new, but it is, I would classify it as an underdog. Because I... I was aware of it, but did not buy into it. I haven't covered it. However, this episode, when I get them on the show, will basically be the coverage. I will have them tell what they want to tell, and they gave me kind of a preview, and they're basically just trying to introduce it to everybody. There's no compensation for anybody coming on the show. Anybody that wants to come on the show, I don't care who you are, we don't charge the price of admission. Anybody's free to come on the show if they want to smoke. That's why we want to do it, because we are investors. And we want to see tokens succeed. We want to see cryptocurrency succeed. And as long as we have tokens that screw up, it doesn't help anybody. And if we have tokens that don't screw up, but they're having a hard time getting over the hurdle, we want to put a voice to them and give them that forum, give them that platform so that they can take and then run with it. And what, what we can do exposes to at least a limited audience that there are other tokens out there that do have the best of intentions. And I would believe that if the ones that are willing to reach out to certain platforms and say, look, we want to kind of get some help here and have the voice. I'd love to do that. So if they're willing to take my feedback, I would love to share that directly with them and get their thoughts. That's what I want. I think that's what you want to hear as well, because it tells you they're serious as opposed to sitting off in Telegram all on their own with their echo chamber or in the cult mentality being surrounded by people that say they can do no wrong. This token, though, has done a very good job, from what I can tell, of communicating with the investors. And they, they do AMAs. They do everything right. They do everything right, but it just hasn't worked out in what they want it to do. And I've looked at the project, and I do have some suggestions and ideas that I think would help. And I want to talk it out with them to see if it's things they thought, talk, thought about. And if there are things they thought about, then what was the result of those? And then see collectively if we can come to some, some suggestions and courses of action. And that's all we can do. And then, of course, you're aware of it, so I'll ask you as a call to action to then take a look at it once you hear from them, see if it makes sense for you. And if it maybe not doesn't make sense to you, maybe it makes sense to a friend or something else, and we spread the word if it seems like it's on the up and up and it's worth your time. From my short review of it so far, because I'll do an extended when I get close to the episode, but from my short review, it seems like a good project with a good team and good people. Um, it just seems like they have not been able to get the exposure and you've heard me say, it's a very crowded cryptocurrency world these days. You have to have extreme gimmicks in order to stand out. Even ETH fan token, which recently relaunched, which I'll talk about here in a second, has not been able to sustain the level of growth that it had when it first launched with the new version of the token. So it's harder. It's just a harder world. And I don't think it'll get any easier, frankly. I think it's just the nature of how it is and how it goes. And we just have to work past it the best way that we can. 
So since that's a good segue, let's go ahead and talk about ETH Fan Token. Of course, I mentioned that they had to do a migration, and then they used the EverRise platform. There's a tool that EverRise offers, and I was going to cover EverRise on this episode, so be on the lookout for that here later. But they used that platform. It seemed to be successful for them. They were able to get 90% take, which is pretty good. They still had issues because every migration has issues, but the fact that they were able to get that kind of a take rate is pretty darn good considering that migrations are just a very painful thing to do. But when they got to the new token and they got everything over and then they launched it for live sales, they spiked all the way up and then it immediately started dumping. The volume isn't tremendously high. It's still under a million dollars, and but it spiked. It spiked really huge initially. And I think a lot of people just jumped in at the early price and then they dumped out because they basically said, you know what, we're going to take the profit and move on. Now, keep in mind the ETH fan token, its sales pitch always had been that you will get Ethereum rewards in the Binance. So the Binance pegged Ethereum in response for holding the Ethereum fan token. The fact that this happened means that, yes, you basically would get those rewards, but people just wanted to sell for profit. Now, the, where the kudos is, is, again, they were actively communicating with the group. And as I said, I was going back and forth with them, and they ultimately took some of my advice, and they communicated very well through Twitter, I think. They were still on Telegram, but that was kind of after the fact. You know, if we have some residual questions, please come to Telegram. That's fine, because at least they outreached to get those people through Telegram and through other forums. They seemed to do a good job there. Then did the migration to the EverRise platform. That seemed to go pretty smooth. They set up social media engagement on different places like coin market cap which satama didn't and on social media i even to diverge a little bit i even told satama i suggest that you go to your coin market cap because there's apparently going to be a coordinated dump is what i'm hearing within 24 hours which of course would have been one hour ago and the coordinated dump little did i know that that would actually be the satama team themselves dumping their own project with their terrible announcements regardless the eth fan token team Basically said, no, we're here. We're, we need to wait for V2. It's still showing price from V1. It's low. We fixed the liquidity. And so things are still happening. And then everything kind of balanced out. People are calling it a scam, calling it a honeypot. It's not a honeypot because if it was, you would, you would have much more issues than you do. So, no, I think it's legit. It's just they, they did the migration and they have work. They're storing it out and they're, they're doing the best they can to communicate on this thing. But it's, it's done what it could, but it's getting attacked. Many cryptos are getting attacked. And the reason that I steered to ETH fan token and told you that is because that's what, that's what I mean when I say that it's hard for tokens now to stand out and garner attention because every token is perceived as a scam. Every token is perceived as crap when you have people like Satama who just screw up and they cause it to tank. And it's really a decent project just screws up. You have Floki who rug pulls twice and then they yank the, do a bait and switch to yank the reflections. And you have earn hub where the liquidity gets all yanked. You get ID finance where they give the liquidity off to that idiot. Like you see all these bad decisions and it puts a bad taste in people's mouths. And there's no longer a strong sentiment for cryptocurrency. This is now a cascade effect. And so when tokens are willing to say, look, we want to succeed. We want to, prove to people that we're legit and we're here and we're going to do this right, but we need help. Like you're just admitting that you need help and you reach out not to the shillers, but to the regular people that want to try to help without charging them. I think that's a, that's something we should pay attention to because ultimately you want to understand that they, that they acknowledge we're here, but also we need help for whatever it is. 
and get the awareness and get the word out and get more exposure and do that. But also that we're not going against the shillers who are just going to take your money, buy into the project, shill it, pump it and dump it. So I, I get really frustrated when I see tokens like what's happening, you know, the responses like what's happening to tokens here where they're getting called a scam when I know ETH fan token is not a scam. They did very well. But then the cult refuses to call Satama a scam, even though their behavior is very scammy. I don't think they're a scam. I think they're in over their head. The point is, why don't I see people calling them an outright scam when they're acting scammy and they're just a cult and it's Russ we trust and they can do no wrong? That's a little bit disconcerting uh, from my angle, and I don't like to see that. But let me really quick, fast, quick, talk about an underdog token, a separate underdog token, because I want to make sure I cover at least one per day where I can. There's been a lot of disruption, so I've been distracted from many of the tokens, but I'll go ahead and cover this one really quick and fast. It won't take too long to get through this one. Token I'm going to be covering is called Cheddar. For anybody who's in or around my age, there used to be some ads all over the web. There was a guy called Cheddar the Hustler, and it was a dude who was he was, it's a, you know, he's flashing a bunch of money and he's talking about affirmative action, baby, as he refers to free government money and allegedly being able to exploit free government money to get a bunch of money. That's what this reminded me of. And of course they tracked the dude down and turns out it was all a marketing scam. But the point is, that's what the name reminded me of. Chedatoken.com. And that's an A. So C H E D D A token.com. If you want to take a look at the wipes, the uh, website, this is on the Ethereum chain. It is, of course, on Uniswap as a result. It does not appear to be on exchanges as of yet. The Cheddar token, though, refers to itself as its first-of-a-kind utility culture token to be used to give holders access to exclusive community experiences. It does not further elaborate on what it means. However, chatter on social media seems to imply that there's going to be the usual that every token's doing, which is things such as NFTs. That's fine, but, of course, as I've mentioned on other episodes... There are people that are around my age and older who don't really care about such things. And hopefully they will have more to the social experience than what they have initially said. They have a link to what they call the white paper. It's not really a white paper. And I would say that this is completely unacceptable what they have here. It's hacked together. It does basic information, but it doesn't do what I think it should do. But I'll go down the list of what they have. It's just a page. You can link it, click it, and it goes to a page. It's not a PDF. And it's not really a white paper. But what they claim is that you'll get exclusive access to swag for Cheddar holders. You get get-togethers. Of course, this is all in slang, or as they used to say, Ebonics speak. Special access to Cheddar NFT drops, so that's that. The NFT royalties allegedly will pay for these events. I think that's ambitious because you're assuming a certain level of sale that I don't think is sustainable. Cheddar Culture Conference. Wallet holders will be airdropped NFT tickets to special events with speakers, DJs, influencers, and athletes. I think that's ambitious because you're assuming that there'll be enough money in order to afford the tickets for these various entities to be there. And then, of course, staking and farming implemented in the ecosystem. Cheddar was created with a total supply of 100 billion tokens, 50% of which would be burned, 3% fee on transactions, 1% burned forever, and 2% distributed to the marketing wallet. So it assumes that the marketing wallet is going to grow enough to sustain the lofty things that they're trying to do. So in summary, this at the core is trying to broker events, special events and special perks. And that's its sole purpose, which is okay. Here's the problem. Your white paper is not a white paper. It needs to be a PDF, separate PDF. Even if you were to not have as a PDF, 
It doesn't tell me the who. I have no idea who's behind the project. There's no transparency I can see. The roadmap refers to a CERTIC audit. It's not done yet. So there's a little bit of lack of trust there. I'll give them credit for their social media strategy because they are embracing more than just Telegram. Deep, deep, deep. And they do seem to interact with their holders very well. And they do seem to have the right message and the right idea. I just think that it doesn't, it doesn't come across as a serious project. So if your goal is just to make money or just to hang out with people, and of course there's a certain demographic this targets and caters to, then it's something to worth take a look at. If you're in the younger demographic, you know, say 20 to 30 range, it's something to take a look at because maybe it's of interest to you. Regardless, I would say take a look and see if it makes sense for your portfolio. I just think they have a lot to do. I don't see a reason for a serious investor to be compelled to buy into it for a long term. It may very well skyrocket, I'm not sure. It does seem to be popular, though, along the younger age classes for what it does in the, the sales pitch there. That's all I got for you again. Chedatoken.com, check it out. I will be back tomorrow with more updates. I will promise not to do more coverage on Satama until I see more significant movements or if there's more news or something. I'll cover that, but that's about all I'll do. Take care and keep it safe.